Before we begin today's show, I'd like to take a minute to tell you about a new layer to the podcast. I'm now officially on Patreon. Have you ever thought to yourself after listening to an episode of this show, why didn't Derek think to ask that question? I know I certainly have. Then sign up at patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast and you'll get the chance to ask the guest of this show a question. You'll also get early access to episodes and a chance to vote on show topics. And I'd also like to give a special shout out to our patrons, Steve Wise, Josh Shinnewerk, Tim Spivey, and Tanya Richter. Thank you guys so much for your contributions. And again, if you'd like to be a part of our growing community, just head over to patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and today I'm happy to welcome not one, but two guests on the show, the creators of the film Up on the Glass, Kevin and Nikki Del Principe. How are you guys doing? We're, we're great. Thanks for uh, having us on, Derek. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And we were just talking before we started, you know, it's been a while since I've interviewed two guests at the same time, much less. I think this is my first time on video. You know, those who are watching the video version, having two guests on at the same time. So this this is exciting. Are we your first married couple? I think so. I think you might be. So, yeah, you guys are our are, are first on the show. So, no, happy to happy to have you guys on. As we I mentioned, you know, before we started, I just watched your film uh, Up on the Glass, literally finished it about two minutes before you hopped on the Zoom call. So you'll, you'll get my, my fresh take on it. So I'm excited to talk about it a little bit later on. Yeah, happy to. Absolutely. So I uh, just want to dive right in because I feel like this is kind of the become the normal question over the last several months that I've started these shows out with. Um, how has the COVID pandemic, you know, you guys both being filmmakers, how has it been affecting you as far as your work goes? Yeah, it's been, I, I think, clearly tough on everyone, um, but inter especially interesting for us having just moved to a new place. Um, we were in Los Angeles before this for about nine years and mid-December moved to Memphis to participate in the growing independent film community here, um, which in a way was good timing. So we were able to make the move and get set up. But of course, three months later, uh, the pandemic hit. So that's been one challenge on the personal side of things to get to know people. And, um, you know, we haven't been going to restaurants much or anything like that, clearly. But, um, you know, we were lucky that the film had already been com completed uh, at that time. And so we were in the phase of um, trying to get it out there. And the festivals and that kind of yeah. thing. And that was a little weird. Well, well, interesting, just because we, I think it was like in February, we, we heard that we were going uh, to in, we got into our Capital City Film Festival in Michigan. And we were like, cool, like that just feels about right since we shot the film in Michigan and it's nearby. And it, it, we're like, this is great. And then it was like right afterwards, you know, pandemic, like everything sucks. And, and the film festival was, you know, delayed to the summer and then indefinitely. Um, 
but I guess on the other hand, like we were able to, we, we were able to get a sales agent and we were able to get the film to Gravitas Ventures. So we we're able to do all that and, you know, work on the delivery um, during this time. And uh, I think, you know, it was a little strange trying to do some quality control stuff at home, you know, um, and, and just making things work. But on the other hand, like, I guess to the positive is indie filmmakers and artists and writers, you know, like we're sort of built for this. And, you know, like nothing stops, you know, it's like we just keep working and, you know, um, especially with writing and different things. So so in a way, I think we've been very fortunate just to keep keep it moving forward. And 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 part of moving here was really to just um, invest more in our creative work because I had been um, teaching um, screenwriting at uh, a school in Los Angeles, Loyola Marymount University for you know almost five and a half years. And so part of moving here was just like to get more into our own work and just focus. So we still have been able to do that, um, even though like, you know, it, in some ways the world is like crumbling down around us. But starting to come back, like yeah. we're, um, we just heard, I think it was last week or maybe it was two weeks ago now, um, that we were also accepted into the Buffalo International Film Festival, um, which is where Kevin's from. Uh, and our cinematographer. Oh, yep. There we go. <laughs> Love it. Um, so, it, you know, stuff is still happening just in a different way. Um, you know, like that festival, they're still figuring out exactly the format. Uh, most of the screenings are likely to be virtual or, you know, online in some format, but they're really hoping to do a small percentage in person, whether it's social distanced theater viewings or drive a drive, yeah, drive in theater. Um, so, you know, we're really hoping that maybe we can get that festival yeah. community experience in some way. And I think they're, and I think they're hopeful to bring us, um, if they can, just given that, you know, I'm originally from that area and that sort of connection. So they've been really, you know, kind of, so hopefully, you know, everything will allow that, but you know, it's, it's all been happening. So I guess that's a long winded answer in some ways, but, uh, yeah, we're still just doing our thing. So it's, it's okay. Well, I'm sure it had to be a little nerve-wracking moving to a completely different area, and then a short time later, it's like, well, you can't really go out and do anything because yeah. everything's just just shut down. And it's interesting that you bring that up because so many people that I talk to live in Los Angeles. It's actually pretty rare that I talk to someone who doesn't live there. But there are other areas where filmmaking is happening. You know, Atlanta has been really big in the last few years. New Orleans... Um, you know, areas in Texas, I know there's been work in Houston and in Austin, you know, that place has really sprung up as far as population and creativity in the last couple of years. So it's, it's good to hear, you know, other areas that explore that same field, because you don't have to necessarily be in Los Angeles all the time in order I for mean, that to happen. Yeah, I think that's really true. And, um, you know, in a way, you know, like Los Angeles is not built for indie filmmaking. I mean, you know, in terms of the, the mentality generally, I'm sure if you're in certain circles, there's still some of that, no doubt about it. But, uh, you know, there's this sort of push that it's like, well, this is the, the mecca, this is the industry. Uh, and, and for us on the indie side of things, like, you know, it's it's the, the current is like even sort of, I guess, more like flowing in our direction out here, you know, in, in some of these other places that you mentioned, because you're, you know, potentially coming across other other people that are in small uh, production companies that just want, want to work, want to make stuff. And, 
I think it have and, and are open to some levels of flexibility too of, of working on uh, lower budgets and just making stuff happen happen and uh, uh, you know I, I'm not saying that that does not happen in a big city like Los Angeles but I do think some of these other cities that are that are smaller but but growing and uh, more affordable I just think there's a lot of, of room uh, for people in these locations, as opposed to, I think, feeling that immense pressure of trying to manage, you know, the $2,000 apartment a month, and then also try to make films, you know, it's like, it's sort of like, how does anybody do that unless you're absurdly wealthy? So like, that makes sense. People are thinking about alternatives. And I think one realization we had um, upon making this latest film uh, was that well, we really could live anywhere. Um, I mean, we shot this film in a small town in Michigan. Yeah. So probably the, the next film we do will be um, similar. Well, we're thinking about doing it in Buffalo, actually. But, um, but that means that it really opened our eyes up to the possibilities of, well, where do we really want to live? Um, and being a part of a growing indie film community was something that was important to us. But um, it really could have been anywhere in the been, world. Yeah, it could have been <laughs> yeah. anywhere. And it's like, what stories do we want to tell? Where do we want to tell them? And I think, you know, to a degree, like where you live is a reflection of your values, you know, um, especially if you make a choice. You know, sometimes people, I mean, there's levels of choice, but sometimes people have to be in a certain location for work. But, you know, we were at a place where we had some flexibility and then we decided this was the spot for us. Um, meeting, meeting people in Los Angeles, being there for nine years, I think was helpful. Sure. Um, and now we have those contacts, we have those friends, um, and can we could bring them wherever we go. Yeah, bring them along with us mm -hmm. and make new friends. So it's all it's all positive. Absolutely. So kind of backtracking a little bit, what was it that made you, and we'll start with you, Kevin, uh, what was it that made you each want to get into the world of filmmaking? Well, you know, I had always, um, you know, since I was like, well, really young, like played music and been into lyrics and all this sort of stuff and then poetry. And so writing was always kind of a through line for me. And when I was in college, I got more into the theater world and playwriting. And I was like, that was like eye opening for me to tell stories and, uh, and a theater experience. Um, and for a while I thought that's really where I was going to, I was just going to be a playwright and somehow go to school and maybe and teach that and make that work. Um, but, uh, I started to think about film and it was like a strange thing. Like I, I, I love film ever since I was a child, like just loved watching movies with my family. And, but I think because I came from this more blue collar working class background, like I just never really thought that was something I could do. Like it just never really crossed my mind and the playwriting seems crazy too, but, but because I went to college and I was like, they have theater department and I, and I connected with that or, you know, I met a couple of professors that were cool that did that sort of thing. I, I had latched onto that, you know, creatively. Um, but then all of a sudden I was like, film, like maybe I could do this and, and maybe there'd be work here. <laughs> and, and so, so I ended up like, um, I, I already had one master's degree that was like interdisciplinary and, and, and playwriting and um, sort of education and these things. And I decided to go back to school again. And, uh, and then that's when I ended up going to USC for my MFA where I met Nikki. So that sort of put me on that more clear path of film and then I just, I have found, though I'm still, you know, working in lots of areas of writing, like novel writing and poetry, among other things, I've found that the filmmaking 
connects so many of those loves that I mentioned of like uh, the playwriting aspect, the music aspect, the visual aspect, you know, the dramatic stuff. So film has been this great way for me to connect all these things that I've loved um, and put it together and then create these, you know, artifacts that hopefully have some kind of like lasting power, you know, um, like as opposed to like say theater, I think is challenging in that way. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like a, it's an experience, but it's difficult to, to sustain it. Um, so, so that's, I guess, how I, how I came into filmmaking. Yeah, for myself, um, I guess similar to Kevin, I didn't grow up as a child thinking, oh, I want to be a filmmaker. Um, but I was always telling stories and that was kind of the, the primary, uh, game or way of playing that, uh, my sister and I would do growing up is to tell stories and sort of, you know, have fun making up all the characters and their personalities and, um, what their goals were and then like playing that story out with all these uh, different personalities uh, over the course of a game that would you know take multiple days or weeks even to conclude. Um, and I always loved the format of movies to the extent that even back then when I was a child playing these games, we would start the game with and fade in, <laughs> you know, and it would end with fade out. So uh, that was kind of in the lexicon uh, for, for a long time. But um, I, since like about third grade, the, the dream for me was to become a, a kind of Jane Goodall uh, who studied wildcats. Um, so for the longest time, that's really what I wanted to do. And I really followed that path uh, quite far, uh, you know, through college and, you know, studied biology and concentrated in animal behavior and uh, went to Costa Rica and I studied abroad and um, researched monkeys there and then went to Kenya and researched elephants and giraffes. And um, it was really interesting work, but at the same time, I was taking film classes um, out of interest and passion since I always had that love of films and storytelling. Um, and started to have that realization that, oh, people can do this for their careers. Um, maybe so much what you were saying. I never really had that concept that this was a, um, a valid path <laughs> or that people really did this. Um, and so the, by the time I graduated, I had fully come to, to recognize that, okay, this is what I really want to do. And also applied to USC, was fortunate to, to get in. Um, and yeah, do that MFA program. And, um, you know, soon after graduation is when uh, we got together uh, and made a couple short films. And then after that, decided that, okay, I think we're ready to make a, a feature. It's really a matter of expanding this process, maybe about 10 times what we're doing for shorts. <laughs> um, yeah, that was somewhat the journey. So was Up on the Glass your guys' first feature? Yes. Oh, wow. So how, how was the leap from doing a short to doing a feature? Um, I think that, you know, the doing shorts, you know, cause I had done some before Nikki and I got together and started working together on shorts, but uh, I think it helped uh, in terms of just like working fast. And I started to learn how to prepare cause you know, we went to the um, MFA writing for screen and television program at USC. So 
you know, it wasn't really focused in directing. They were like, there was a little bit that we learned here or there, but I really had to like learn how to direct. I had theater experience, but I had to learn how to direct for film and to prepare accordingly. And, you know, that's a totally different, um, it's just different what you need to do. And I think that by doing these shorts and we always, we never had any money, you know, really. And we we're always working like within a day and just being crazy, except we weren't, it was like controlled chaos of like, just, I just learned how to plan really well and somehow find the right people to work on for each project and, you know, take care of them. They took care of us. So I think that really helped me a lot in terms of moving forward in the feature, but you know, like, no doubt the feature in terms of even all the sort of the stuff we do in the business end of, of even just connecting to different unions, you know, like uh, SAG is a signatory or WGA West is a signatory because um, we're part of Indie Caucus. Um, uh, you know, all those pieces are just things that were totally new to me and I had to learn a lot about that. Um, but I do think the shorts help in terms of the process of filmmaking and kind of like getting stronger in terms of my own vocabulary and skill set. And then, yes, there was like a big learning curve in terms of the business end and creating our own production company, uh, finally, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but it was really great because we were able to learn quickly, you know, and, and if you're in it, you have to do it. There's no, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't want to do it with some of these things on the business end or these institutional stuff that you know, I don't, I didn't know about or whatever, but all of a sudden you have to do it. And I think that, that because we wanted it so badly that helped us. And now we know, you know, now we, we have a much better foundation for some of these things moving forward. I would add that one thing that really helped us uh, make this feature was having an amazing community to support us. That's true. Um, we shot the film in Oceana County, Michigan. Um, it's kind of a lakeshore uh, area where I spent many summers as a child. And um, so I, uh, have many sort of family friends and just like members of the community that um, I'm familiar with and who watched me grow up really. Um, and so by setting the film there, uh, we were able to lean on a lot of these people and businesses who, um, you know, were excited to help us and, um, you know, to this day <laughs> are our biggest supporters. Um, and I don't think we could have really done it without um without all their help yeah like we really did we were able to build up a community but we were also supported by a community so we set the tone for ourselves in terms of our own company or how we interact with people but there was also like this great community that existed and you know i think you know we really felt you know encouraged and loved by by people in that community and uh you know, that was just kind of an amazing thing to experience you know like for me on a personal level just to to be taken care of artistically, you know, like, and people just saying, yeah, how about we help you? Like, you know, there's no real reason, you know, except for like just decency, <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's kind of encouraging because, you know, as an artist, sometimes you can feel like you're up against it or up against all these systems. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is kind of mostly, mostly pretty smooth, you know, and that was kind of, I don't know, just appealing to experience. And excited for us to like film at their restaurant or, you know, their bar. Um, whereas if we were in LA, um, they'd be wanting some payment <laughs> for that. Um, so that, you know, just even that aspect was, was totally different. Well, and something that, you know, I talk about a lot on the show is having a good support group being, you know, a good cast and crew, or maybe it's friends or family that just, you know, really support your, the, the work that it takes to get this project done, but then to have 
an entire community get behind you. Like that's got to be gratifying on a whole nother level. You might be hearing one of our dogs uh, growling at the other one um, over a, a toy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Dog, dogs are always welcome here on the show. There's some drama. There's some drama. There's peanut butter involved and Kongs. And, oh, if, uh, you, if you throw in peanut butter, there's always going to be drama, especially if there's two yeah. dogs involved. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 that, so that, that kind of threw me off. So all of a sudden, I was worried about growling. What we're no. Just the, the value of community. And, oh, yeah. Well, uh, well, I think we're going to say, like, you know, and, you know, like, so we got married last August, and, you know, um, we had, you know, committed to being together for, you know, ever already. And, you know, we we're in a relationship for a, a period of time. But I really do think we both talked about this that having that experience of people really supporting us in this way that, like, I had never felt in this way to this extent before in my life definitely encouraged us to get married. And then we were able to have this journey where we got married in the same community. We were able to show the film privately there last year. And it was just, it was cool, you know? So, I mean, I, I definitely would put this up there as one of the more meaningful experiences in my life in terms of the community aspect. And then it made so much these other, some of the other parts that are hard about making a film uh, make, makes that worthwhile because now we always have that in our back pocket. Like, oh yes, like that exists. And I think that that I think that's going to help us, and it is already helping us as we, you know, move forward with new projects because you you know there are good people out there that community exists that you can do your part to help establish it, and um, and it doesn't have to go away either. You know, it doesn't have to be. I think a lot of times with art, it feels like oh okay, so we got two weeks of community. You know, if things are going well, or we got one month, but the reality is like you know you know goodness travels you know wherever like Memphis, LA, New York, you know? Um, so I think that that's been really helpful to learn. Absolutely. So how did you guys come up with the story for, um, for up on the glass? And was there like a specific thing that inspired it? How did you guys come up with the story for this? Um, well, when we were first together, Nikki took me up to the cottage area where she grew up during a summer. And, it was, I think, one of our last days there that, you know, all of a sudden this idea started to come to me. And I just remember, like, being outside, you know, like, I feel like the sun was going down. <laughs> it was, and I just started to come up with this idea and it's these sort of characters and relative concept. And then, you know, Nikki got out a notebook and she was just, like, writing stuff down. And then certainly, you know, it, it developed a lot from there. But really, uh, some of the essential stuff um, came from that. And I, and I think... Part of it was like, you know, like I mentioned my own experience, like growing up in a more blue collar environment, you know, it's like getting to go into this sort of lake side area community and these cottages and being around these sorts of people, it like undoubtedly, like, I think I was bringing my own experience even of like coming in, like feeling like coming in a little bit from the outside. And I think that that, that stuck with me. Not that I could, well, in part, because I've always felt a little bit on the outside of things and that might be just my temperament. But also, like, I think that helped establish Jack as a character, just this guy from that kind of background coming into an environment sort of from the outside and, you know, his experience of it. No, that's that's awesome. Um, something that, you know, and kind of going off of that, that was something that I noticed as well with with watching the film, because I grew up in a small town of maybe 500 people. You live there for the first you know, 20 plus years of my life. And most of it, you know, ever since I was a kid, I felt like that person. 
that always just felt like I was on the outside, like I was watching everyone kind of, you know, do their own thing and never quite felt like I fit in. So it, it was relatable to me from from that aspect. And, you know, I, what I liked about it was that, you know, you were learning things as it developed. It was, I don't want to say a slow burn, but you didn't know everything from the very beginning. It's just you learned piece by piece of what was going on as the story progressed. You know, it, it moved at a very nice pace, which I, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. I mean, I think it is a, it is a, yeah, I appreciate you saying how, you know, you felt that way growing up. Cause I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a reasonable experience, you know, like being a sensitive person and whether you're small town, big town, but just like you're trying to experience the world and figure things out. And so many times, you know, a lot of these experiences we have, they feel so limited, like just going to, to school, like the sort of the tribalism of middle school and high school or, you know, or uh, like for me, just as an example, you know, I grew up even on the religious end, like I grew up in uh, evangelical Protestant household, but like grandparents were all Catholic family, all, I mean, uh, all my friends rather, and and family beyond that were all Catholic in my neighborhood, you know, so it's these little things that just sort of like set, set me up in a way to feel on the outside, but at the same time to, I, I hope in my work and in my life, have a sensitivity for people that either feel that way or also like, you know, being able to look at different sides and, and people's experiences and getting beyond like, like the tribal aspects. Um, so I think all that is sort of being played with in, in, in this film in particular. Yeah, I would add to that that um, I think for Jack, he, you know, has tried to do all the right things, you know, going to a, a good school, elite college, um, and meeting these friends who maybe uh, come from wealthier families or something like that, um, but then just struggling thereafter and not really knowing why, and then watching his friends have success and seeming in a seemingly undeserved uh, fashion, like they're not working any harder than him. In fact, maybe they're working less hard, or maybe they're less smart or less talented, um, but seemingly having this easier path. And so this this resentment, this kind of anger is building inside of them. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I get that, you know, like, I mean, if there's some of that tension or anger or even that sense of like feeling on the outside and loss, like I get it. I mean, so like growing up in the environment I did, like a similarity to Jack would be like using education to like, as they say, better yourself, you know, whatever that means, you know, but that was like driven, you know, for, for, for me, for my parents, I had to go to school, I had to go to, had, like, you could, I could not go to college, but my dad, you know, he didn't go to like a four-year college or anything, but it was like, he wanted me to go to college and he wanted me to even get out of Buffalo and this and that, like he had this attitude about that of like, you know, cause he wanted me to have more opportunities and he, he thought that maybe things weren't going so well on Buffalo at the time. So just like all that stuff, I feel like just sort of, set me up to understand Jack and also just that you know in going to these like elite institutions not to sort of disrespect any one of them but you know it's like uh, you know like it's fine you know but but really like you know anybody not just about anybody could do it you know anybody could like get into these schools you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not like, you know, it's, if they have like some, yeah, the opportunity to support yeah. opportunity, all that kind of stuff. So it's like when people think that like what they, what they, they, they've hit that kind of home run. Right. But it's like, well, you know, like 
even put on a pedestal or you just like walking for me or just uh, enough support that got me that position. You know, like that, that doesn't mean I'm fucking great if I can say effing, sorry. Yeah, but no, no, you're good. Okay, cool. Yeah, it doesn't mean I'm great. It's just like, I'm just a guy that just like sort of got fortunate enough and enough support and kept working. And like, that's all it is, you know. Um, but a lot of times it's like idiots rise to the top in, in many of these institutions, academic or otherwise. And then they're put on a pedestal like, oh, these people are geniuses. It's like, it's like, no, no. And I can understand the frustration of people that, that actually have the sensitivity because they have it, they struggle to rise to the top in this sort of like, in these institutions that promote sort of basically poor ideas or people with limited <laughs> like vision or even respect for humanity in some cases. Um, so people that actually have those things, have vision, care about other people. A lot of times those are the people that are definitely having trouble climbing up in the United States. And I think all that stuff like tapping into that, experiencing that, feeling that kind of viscerally and feeling that from the people that I care about and the people that I respect and my friends I think that a lot of that went into the feeling of Jack and his experience. Well, and I think that's another reason why I like that character so much. In addition to you know what I mentioned about feeling relatable about being the outcast, down to he doesn't really say anything for the first what seems like the first third of the movie. You know, even when he's hanging out with his friends, he's just kind of sitting there. You know, he'll sip on his drink, but he won't say a single word. I'm like, I've been that guy. You know, I know what that's like, but everyone knows someone who has been seemingly more successful than they've deserved. And you feel that resentment. You almost can't help it because it's like a human trait to feel that way. And and I don't want to you know, really dive into spoilers here for those who haven't had a chance to see it. But there's an exchange between Andy and Jack where Andy's talking about how the, I, the beginning of the specific quote was being envious is a bad quality. Going into that whole spiel, like it, it felt like real life, and it felt relatable. Like that's a situation that you can see yourself in, and I love moments like that in film because yeah, you know, film is great for almost escaping your problems. Because you know, I love to go in the theater you know, back pre-COVID when theaters were normal, but um, essentially, you know, you go to a theater to escape from everything for two hours, but sometimes it's good to feel that almost like a reflection of real life, you know, not thrown back at you, but just as a kind of a reminder, but it, it didn't feel so on the nose, even though you know, it was very direct, like that confrontation was very direct, but it didn't feel so on the nose. So I, that whole exchange was to me, one of the, the peak moments of that entire movie. Hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. I've always, you know, cared a lot about that scene. And I mean, it's kind of like there's a there's a level of honesty. I think there for these two men that we just we don't we we don't see in many other parts of the film. Um, even though in some ways, you know, Andy is talking about himself, and he's also talking about Jack there as he says that. But um, yeah, I've always been a I've always been curious about that scene, how, how, how honest they are. And yeah, I appreciate what you're saying. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was the, to me, the turning point before you know, certain situations that I won't spoil happen after that, but it's really the turning point of the whole movie. But to me, it's one of, to me, the climaxes of the entire thing, even though it happens kind of early. 
Well, it's kind of like this. I think, you know, I think what, what perhaps is, could be seen there is like this alternative, you know, there's that intimacy to a degree and that closeness, at least for a moment and a level of honesty. And you can just imagine like without, again, going to spoilers, but you can imagine a totally different film if these two men are just able to just break through a little bit and, and it would be a different, a different relationship. And there's something very powerful. And I think sad about that too, that they, as close, as close as they are in some ways, they're not able to break through and, 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 and have that, you know, connection. And uh, yeah. Well, I think even that scene is relatable in a sense too, because you know, I know I've had friends that we may have that unspoken tension that might have never been said. And you think, well, what would have happened had there been that type of breakthrough? You know, right. could things have turned out differently? So I, there's a lot of, to me, real life scenarios in this movie. And I, that's what, you know, to me makes it makes it powerful, I think. We really appreciate that. Yeah. I think one thing we um, really tried to focus on when we were casting as well is um, find actors who uh, had direct experience in this type of even just environment, like uh, the place of, um, you know, the Midwest and uh, specifically, you know, this kind of lakeshore community in Michigan. Uh, and amazingly, actually, all of our actors have some connection to the the Midwest or even that uh, particular area. And I think that uh, helped to, you know, establish a baseline understanding that didn't have to be explained when, mm -hmm. I mean, you could speak to that as director, but when working with yeah, actors. Yeah, and, and I think it was, I mean, with the actors, like, I mean, I think Nikki and I were willing to go deep in these characters. Like, that's really what this story was about for us, like Jack and this experience and, and these strong emotions perhaps that I felt and, and Nikki uh, is part of that uh, bringing to the table. But then I think the actors were also able to dig pretty deep and, and bring a lot um, to these characters. And I, I think that, that really helped, you know, like with the scene, like you mentioned. Well, and that's something that I've always envied about actors is being able to be vulnerable with those type of emotions. Cause that, that can't be easy to dig into that type of you know place that you have to display that type of a raw emotion. Mm -hmm. So uh, props to them for for doing because it, it it felt believable, and that's you know I keep it's like I keep saying the same thing over and over, but like a lot of it felt real, mm -hmm. and that's that is a huge credit to the actors in my opinion. Yeah, and I think it does. I think it does take it. I think it, there is a level of toll. I think, you know, actors who are, you know, fine actors like the ones we had, like they, they're practiced at um, uh, putting in those long days, these emotional days. And I think it, 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 as a director, you know, it was challenging for me, I think, in the sense of because I felt so close to the story. And I guess it could be that way with a lot of one's work, you know, um, but there's something about the Jack dynamic and all this stuff that really bothers me. You know, like it just bothers the hell out of me. And so it was just so hard to emotionally, I think, you know, and I had to sustain to, I had to live with that, not only shooting it, but I've had to live with that for, you know, effing years, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> of putting this film together. And so hopefully, I, I hope there'll be a little bit of a release finally get this thing out there and I can just say, okay, all right, like, 
this is your problem now, world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you deal with this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nikki, I actually have a, a question for you. So you were also, uh, you were an actor in the film as well, but you were also a producer and you helped write. So how was it for you balancing those three things? Because in addition to, I'm sure, wearing you know, hats behind the scenes, how was it in addition to preparing to be on camera as well? Yes, as you could imagine, uh, juggling all those hats was definitely a challenge. <laughs> and I, I think I would, um, you know, maybe set up a different kind of system next time uh, if I'm wearing all those hats again, um, because it, it was it was difficult to, you know, okay, get get in the moment for uh, when I'm acting while uh, people are asking me when the soda is going to be available or, when, you know, like uh, when they're, the car is going to come to pick them up or whatever question they had. Um, and, you know, part of it was that we uh, had a very small crew and uh, to the extent that, you know, we didn't have even a set designer or a prop person. So I was doing a lot of that as well. Um, so it was, it was, it was uh, maybe more like a dozen hats at times. <laughs> and so many people were helping out in that way. Like, mm -hmm. like Casey did costume and all of a sudden she's helping out in, this, in these other areas. Yeah. And, but, yeah. but, 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 but Nikki definitely, I, I, I don't mean to cut Nikki off, but yeah, she bore the brunt of like, you know, like all of this. Cause I was certainly was helping with producing, but you know, like with directing, it's just so involved. And there was all these pieces that I was doing with it. You know, like, I mean, I'm a certainly a lucky guy in my life, and I was lucky on the film, too, to have Nikki, you know, taking care of all that. And, and ultimately, it was helpful to just work to, as much as possible, set boundaries and say, okay, half hour before I'm going to be on set, like, yeah. I am not going to be bothered, or, you know, like, keeping that time as sacred as possible. Um, but I really did enjoy acting on the film. I think um, that was the most like one of the most rewarding um, roles to play, um, you know, on this project. And, um, you know, like you sort of alluded to, I really appreciate the ability to, um, you know, be able to kind of be vulnerable in, in this unique way where the film creates a new world that, that just allows for that. And um, I always kind of compare acting to um, like skiing or dancing is uh, just one of those, you know, when it's happening the way it should, it's, it's totally in the moment. Um, and, and so it can be just pure joy if you can get to that place. But there's, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into getting there. <laughs> I'm just visualizing this on set. Like you're getting ready to film your scene and somebody walks up. Yeah, I know you're getting ready for the scene and all, but where's the Mountain Dew? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, I think yes, you did that happened. Yes. Oh, really? Was, I don't think it was Mountain Dew, but yes, it was a similar product. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's that kind of stuff. And I think that's one thing that you know, I think is a challenge on a films, probably generally, but even of this size, is just really taking care of yourself. And that's really hard. I mean, I think that's something that that Nikki and I are probably still sorting out, maybe healing up from to some degree. It's just like, how do you take care of yourself through this long process? Not just shooting a film, but just we've been working on this for six years. And how do you, how do you care for yourself as well so that you can care for everyone else? And I think a lot of times, you know, like as a director, when you're trying to make something, you know, I think a lot of times you're just trying to get it on 
whatever, digital film, whatever it is, you know, you're just trying to get it. And so you're like, oh, just as long as we get this, it's fine. It's like, but, but is it <laughs> like, you know, in terms of one's own health and kind of wellness and, um, and I think we're, we're, we're getting better and better at that. But I think, you know, it's, it's like, it's a learning curve, just how to balance wearing all these hats, take care of oneself and take care of other people. And, you know, undoubtedly, like with all humility, I just feel like, you know, I'm still learning that. And, uh, but, I, but I think this has been a great opportunity to, to, to grow. So I'm really grateful for that. We talk a lot about um, just how to sustain a creative life, mm-hmm. um, you know, even beyond just this project, but, um, you know, what kind of mindset to even adopt. Uh, it might be different from the, whatever the sort of um, typical mentality about even making money it might be or stability. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, we don't believe in money. <laughs> but how can you just keep doing it? Like whatever you know, whatever that means, um, that's ultimately what's important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How long did it take you guys to shoot the film? 11 and a half days. Uh, oh, wow. So it was a whirlwind. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Because yeah. we, we had 11 days originally, and we were, we were chatting about this today, because sometimes we say, oh, yeah, 11 days, because that was in our mind for all this time. But then all of a sudden, when we were on, when we were on set, we, we had our lead actor a day early, and we shot some stuff, um, MOS, you know, some stuff without our sound team the first, you know, for about five or six hours, um, uh, some of the stuff early on. And, uh, but, you know, we needed every moment. And I'm really glad we made that decision, you know, because even those extra five or six hours, I mean, man, that helped and helped us get started. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was an intensive 11 and a half days. Yeah. And it was all about planning, really. Yeah. That's what I mean about the planning thing I was talking yeah. about earlier. Like, it just planning on top of planning on top of planning. And then also so many levels of flexibility and, uh, and uh, you know, we were able to do it. So that was good. Yeah, You can't have too much time when you're on a set. No. <laughs> you will yeah. use it up. Yeah. Expand, yeah. But expand, yeah. What you need, want to do expands. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, I wish we had, of course it's like, I wish we had three weeks because there's so many things I'd like to do, but you know, like that's where you just gear up for the next film. And maybe it's just that we have to have just a little bit more time and, and sometimes the constraints like force oh, yeah. you to make, I don't know, the best choice available. It's like a poem or a short story or something, you know, it's just like, you have the constraint of what you're going to do and you know, if you're hard on yourself. I mean, sometimes that it, it can, you can make good decisions sometimes because of that, you know, cause it just, there's that clarity of like, Oh yeah, we got to uh, We're going to do this. Uh, it's, it's gotta happen in this time frame. Yeah. Something I got to throw out there too. There's a scene that happens early in the movie that takes place uh, on sand dunes. Mm-hmm. And I loved that visually. Like to me, like it surprised me whenever I saw it, but I was like, man, this looks, you know, like really like big quality stuff. Like it felt almost, you know, like an, you're on an epic adventure in a way mm-hmm. that, that kind of was like separate from the rest of the movie, just because like, I loved visually how the sand dunes look. Yeah, that, that was, that was awesome. Yeah, it's so it's so beautiful there, and the petrified um, tr- trees, is it petrified mm-hmm. trees. I mean, it's so cool. I mean, and that was the thing. Like you know, like I experienced that. You know, like, almost like the Jack experience, where he's like experienced for the first time. As Nikki brought me in, and I was like, "Oh, holy shit, this is amazing!" Like I just <laughs> had never seen anything like this before. And I, it was a, it was just kind of miraculous that we were able to shoot there, and they were, the, the 
they were they were cool. I mean, uh, I forget what. Yeah, the Silver Lake Sand Dunes State Park. They yeah, they were cool. they were us, super yeah. cool. It was pretty easy overall, and they were just nice and you know permits and stuff. But but yeah, I just thought it was just gorgeous and curious and. And I think it, it's interesting for the characters too, because it's just a little like even for Jack, it's somewhat, it's like somewhat disorienting for him too to be in this space. And, um, I, and when you're, especially when you're there, it can be disorienting, you know, like. Uh, it was a agree. windy, windy day. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, a, it was a hellish day to shoot. I yeah. mean, I was speaking of taking care of myself, like I got, I feel like I was all dehydrated that day because I forgot to like drink water, you know, and just like, you're just losing your mind, you know. Uh, but uh, somehow, uh, somehow the camera was pointed in some directions, and uh, it, it worked out okay. Yeah. yeah, it all worked. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, exactly how we planned it. No, like whenever I saw it, I was like, I've got to go there at some yeah. point in my life. Like it, it looked that good. Like I want to see that for myself in person. You should. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you'd be disappointed. No, that's that's fantastic. Uh, one other question that I have before we uh, move on to the the Patreon questions, I always like to ask this. You know, you being on set for you know eleven and a half days, what's the craziest or funniest story you can remember from being on set? Oh, <laughs> well, okay. Well, the one one story that I really like is like uh, in in the film. There's like the scene with the car and fire i'll just say that you maybe recall that scene mm -hmm. uh, so we're trying to figure out like how are we going to shoot this blah 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 and um i think it was our dp mark who's one of my and one of my best friends you know, growing up even uh as well but i think he saw that there was a fire like down the beach at like a cottage like you know four or five down and um we went over there and just like hung out with these cool guys who were like just drinking beer and had this huge bonfire and we're like hey can we shoot your bonfire and we all you know, we trekked over there and talked to them and they were just so cool and they're like sure like throwing and they threw like a fucking pallet you know on the fire and like and they were just started, like the coolest guys and they were just like hanging out having a beer sitting in, like you know with these chairs like while we were making shooting this scene and it really helped us out and it was just like it was such a a weird thing that happened because we were like how are we going to do this oh my god like how because we, we were kind of run out of time too and everything else and then these guys just like came through for us and we're like super great super cool guys just having beers like yeah use our fire and i mean that was like one of the more fun things i have one other one but that was my one of my favorite things but you you should share your other one the the bonfire moment was probably my favorite of the whole yeah, I guess I, yeah, that was my favorite. I guess the one other thing that was like, that was a weird thing is I, I did allow Chase, you know, play Jack. Like I allowed him to uh, tie me up in the bungee cords. Um, you know, like the- what, That's all, yeah. Just that's all I can that. say. <laughs> so Kevin is somewhat in the film. I'm in a tarp at a certain- That's, point. okay, no, that, that's awesome. That, that's was a cool. That, that's a cool little Easter egg. Yeah, was that was that too? Did I just spoil the whole thing? I don't. No, know. I, don't I don't. I don't think so. There's okay. many things one can do. Yeah, yeah. Can lead, that can lead to so many different things. No, okay, you're yeah. you're fine. No, you're good. There were also a lot of um, bugs that. I mean, that's not funny for the people that were experiencing it, but people got ticks. People got chiggers. That was a thing yeah. <laughs> that we were dealing with throughout the film. Not me though. Nothing happened to me. I'm, I was fortunate. So you were bug free. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that was about. 
I mean, maybe just like from like overwork and coffee, maybe my blood was just like bitter and, and just didn't want to deal with me. Or I was, I was just a crazy person, like running around. Even the bugs are like, ah, not going to mess with that guy today. The bugs can just smell the coffee seeping through your pores and are like, yeah, we're just going to leave this guy alone. I think that's we, what it was. We hate coffee. Yeah. Bugs don't drink coffee. No, no, they're not coffee fans. So moving on to uh, the Patreon questions. So uh, there's actually a question uh, for each of you individually. Uh, these are from Steve Wise, who is also uh, from Michigan oh, and uh, is also my filmmaking mentor. Uh, oh, wow. he, he helped me with my short film a couple of years ago, and his short film, Survey, that he filmed, uh, giving him a little shout out here, that we filmed back in 2017 has been accepted to over 50 film festivals since wow. its inception. So uh, Steve's fantastic. So um, he asked you, Kevin, at what point in the making of a film do you take off your producer hat and put on your director hat if you were doing both for a certain project? I really feel like as soon it was like the day, I mean, to a degree, it was like the, almost like the day before we started shooting, or it was just like this transition. Like, not that I hadn't done all this directing work before, but it was just like I started to sort of make that adjustment where it's like, this is my primary responsibility and this is all I can do. So, like, though I did sit in on production meetings, like, you know, weird hours and stuff, like, I eventually I became pretty useless as a producer. And and I, cause I just, cause I mean, I was kind of floored, like in terms of preparation, like I prepared so much, but I was still amazed at like how much more <laughs> that we even needed to do, like just to be adaptable on the moment. So it's like, as soon as we started shooting, it was like, holy shit. Like, you know, like I have to, like whatever I thought was like the most I could work in my life, I have to do, somehow do more. And, but that was mostly as a director. So I, I do feel like there was definitely a transition there because in pre-production, you know, like I was like with Nikki and I was really helping with, you know, all the things, you know, um, um, from, from, from helping a, a guy saw off a part of a tree. So we need to do a certain shot, like all this, all this stuff. And then all of a sudden it was like, that was over for me. So I guess that's, for me, that's kind of what happened. And then uh, for you, Nikki, uh, cause I, as I mentioned, Steve is, I believe from Milford, Michigan, he asks, uh, what part of Michigan are you from, and do you see yourself ever returning to make more films there? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but um, as I mentioned before, spent pretty much all my summers on the, the shores of Lake Michigan in this Oceana County area. Um, personally, I still believe that Michigan is this hidden gem and is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, so I can definitely imagine going back to film. Absolutely. And from the location, you know, that you guys used, uh, for up on the glass, I would definitely say so. Yeah. I, I got to spend a couple of days in Lansing back in oh. July. So it was, it was cool as I, cause I live in Florida. So the, the weather was much nicer than it was there this time of year. It's not, you don't walk outside and feel like you're going to die of a heat stroke. <laughs> Yeah, we're getting used to that. Yeah, I think here in Memphis a little bit. Yeah. Still level in Florida. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad. It, I swear <laughs> it gets hotter every single year. People say, oh, you're just getting older and you can't tolerate it. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure you can check the temperatures from years past and it's not as hot. 
Well, I, I'm I'm glad that you're you've survived this summer. So survived, far. hopefully, uh, another summer. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But um, as we start to wrap up here, what is one piece of advice that each of you could give to someone who wants to work in the film industry? Yeah, I I would say that uh, the people you work with are awesome, just most important thing. So find great people and lean into them because um, they're the there's the, they're going to be the people who have your back when when you need them. And keep building your team over time, you know, and keep finding good people and you know take care of them and bring them along with you. And uh, that's I think that's that's really helpful. And then I guess like my other advice is just like, you know, you know, just in life, I think in, in art and filmmaking, there, there isn't like a path, you know, there isn't a clear path or like one path or one way you have to do things. Um, you know, we have great friends that um, still live in LA or have gone the TV route um, or in writer's rooms or, and, and that's all, it's all good. And then we're doing our thing as independent filmmakers and, um, I just, I just think there are many, many paths to take. And I think just, it's okay to just do what you feel is right for yourself. And, um, I think as long as you just keep on doing that and kind of make the, the art or the creative stuff that you want to do, I think that that, that charts your course for you. And, um, I think that that's, that's all good. Cause I think you can be an authentic person working in TV in a writer's room you could be an authentic person living in Memphis or Florida doing your work. And I just think as long as you kind of just stay true to what you want to do um, and, and not get sucked into this false idea or paradigm that there's one way or one type of success when really, like as Nikki and I were talking about, like we're focused more on like sustainability. Like how do we sustain the creative life that we want? You know, because you can like spend so much of one's time um, serving all these different masters or trying to like achieve something that like doesn't even exist. Like uh, what that feel good, feel good feeling of like being loved or success for a moment if you achieve that or like, is it money? What is it? But I think for us, it's just like, you know, focusing on sustaining that creativity and like that's the path for us. And I think as long as a person is doing that, whatever, whatever it looks like. And being authentic, I think that they'll they'll be able to sleep well at night, which is like vastly underrated. You know, like, hey, I feel okay about the choices I made in my life and and how I'm uh, dealing with this finite experience. I think I got dark there at the end, but with the finite experience, but it's not dark. It's just true. Yeah. You know, it's, it just is what it is. No, know? absolutely. I always love to end things on death. Apparently. <laughs> like interviews, just conversations with friends. I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, this it's not going to last what we're doing probably, uh, you know, not going to last forever. So anyways, if, <laughs> if I have you guys back on the show, we'll have to make that a recurring thing. Yep. Like well, the yeah. last conversation has to be about death in some it'll way. Be, no, it'll be, I mean, you won't even have to like pitch that to me. That's <laughs> <laughs> where I'll be like, Hey, we're dying. You know, I'll just put it in the, in the title no. death part two or death part three. However, However many times you guys come on the show. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back on and talk about death and other things. <laughs> uh, that would be an interesting show for sure. But uh, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. This was a blast. Yeah, this was great. It was really good to talk to you. I hope we can do that again, um, even not on 
this sort of venue. Uh, we can just talk in other occasions. So I think we just call each other and talk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you guys, uh, do you have a website or social media you'd like to plug in? Where can people watch up on the glass? Sure. Yeah. Nikki, can you do the play? The play? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, all information you, you need is on up on the glass.com. Uh, we're going to be available, uh, by the time this airs on iTunes and Amazon, uh, and basically any streaming platform that you use as well as Blu-ray and DVD on Amazon. Fantastic. And as I said, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. So I recommend anybody who listens to the show, uh, take the time to watch it because it's definitely worth it. And guys, thank you again. This was a really fun chat. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. And for those who are listening, if you want to follow the show on social media, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. You can subscribe to the show on all podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts for free. Thank you, as always, to the Unicorn Wranglers for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. And don't forget, you can follow me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday.